My next guest, Wyn Charles, has not one podcast, but multiple podcasts. She has written not one book, but multiple books. She also has cerebral palsy. Having been diagnosed a few hours after birth, living her life with cerebral palsy, Wyn has known no other way. And so she explains why she calls cerebral palsy a gift. Wyn does talk about some recent events and fair warning she does describe a sexual assault that occurred with witnesses who were her step family it is distressing to hear her story and yet unfortunately all too common it does raise the discussion with us about the vulnerability of people who have physical conditions that make them a little more reliant on help from others and also at times needing someone there who cares for them to advocate on their behalf. Wynne's dry sense of humour does come out throughout this interview and she's a delightful woman and someone I'm very pleased to know. And so I present to you Wynne Charles. Have you ever had one of those gut-wrenching moments when life ground you to your knees and you found yourself asking in despair, why me? This podcast is all about sharing your stories and journeys from asking why me to declaring this, this is why me. Discover how ordinary human beings like you and I have found their extraordinary levels of hope, courage, compassion and provided a new perspective for greater potential and self-empowerment during their darkest defining moment. As a creative artist and coach myself, my guests and I discuss the interconnectedness of emotion and transformation in those moments and how their actions then seize the opportunity for discovering their unfiltered and authentic voice and ultimately their life's purpose. I invite you to join me each week as we share insights into how adversity can be turned into a unique advantage. Today's guest is Wynne Charles of the Ask Wynne podcast. And in fact, Wynne has more than one podcast. She also has the Welcome to Journalism, Artwork from CP, Amazing Voices of Teachers and Butterflies of Wisdom. Wynne is also an author of She is CP, which is referring to Wynne's cerebral palsy. Her mission is to help others with physical and mental disabilities to find their voices through written or spoken word using today's assistive technology. I am very interested to hear more of Wynne's story about how she views her CP and what opportunities she has created through her personal experience. If I can quote Wynne from her Women of Wisdom intro video, her mission is to inspire every Tom, Dick and Harry out there and to inspire those who can't speak for themselves. Welcome to the Why Me podcast, Wynne. Well, thank you, Bill, for having me on and just to let you guys know yeah, I am located in Aspen, Colorado, where it's now 1 on 2 a.m. It is. <laughs> so, I appreciate it. <laughs> no, and no, I'm not just like, because I didn't get enough sleep to function on. 
and let's do it. <laughs> Absolutely. And as we were just talking, we have a lot of international fans and sometimes the time difference means that we may have to go and have a nap at some point during the day to be able to wake up in the middle of the morning <laughs> at very early hours. <laughs> yep, but that's okay. It's commitment. <laughs> it is commitment. I got to do what I got to do for my international fans. Thank you, Bill, for having me on. And my name is Lynn. I have a neurological disability called cerebral palsy, as Bill said. And I have had that gift. I don't call it my disability. I call it my gift because we'll get into why in a minute. And so I call it my gift. And I have had that gift underlining disability since June 22nd, 1987, whereupon I was born, I got diagnosed um, on June 22nd, 1987. Four hours after I was born, I was backed out of here, um, here being Aspen, Colorado in the U.S. And then I was backed to the ace-ranked children's hospital in the country Whereupon I spent six months in the ICU, whereupon I got diagnosed with cerebral palsy and a TBI uh, brain bleed. 2010, my life was going along swimmingly when I lost my mommy, my biological mommy, to a slow meningitis, excuse me, a slow leaking brain aneurysm is what she went into the hospital was fast forward till 2019 then I lost my dad and then fast forward again one month I was emotionally and physically abused by two family members of mine now let me make this clear my stepmom who is living with me my stepsister who is in and out of here and then um, my aide who was living with me at the time didn't do anything. Didn't do anything as emotional abuse. And I didn't find out until I was in seventh grade that I actually had CP. Wasn't until my father died practically in 2020 did I ask a PT and a PT student what is CP more than um, anything else? Is it a bone and joint condition or a neurological condition? They said, honey, it's a neurological condition, no deal with it. So, and she is CP is actually my second book. And um, my first book is I Come a Win, I Come a W-I-N, which is now a 10 year old book. Um, listen after my mom died and then um, she is CP is its sister and then the mosaic of CP is its sister as well and I also have an internationally known podcast Asked When and then the amazing voices of teachers and welcome to journalism and the artwork of CP which is all about CP, cerebral palsy. Wow, you have so much going on. And let's just touch a little bit on what it was like for you 
in that 10-year period, first of all, you lost your biological mother and then you've lost your father. And then if that wasn't enough grief to be handling, you've then been emotionally and physically abused by family members and family members that were around haven't advocated for you. My biological family has not. They didn't even know until a couple of weeks ago. Right. Because my biological uncle was supposed to come up here for my birthday. And I said, absolutely not. I was trying to control a ticking time bomb, hmm. a.k.a. biological aunt, and who is an alcoholic and a drug abuser, too. And so she emotionally and physically abused me the day after my 32nd birthday, which happened to be the emotional abuse and physical abuse anniversary was June 23rd, 2019. And so that was fun. Mm -hmm. And so how that story played out and how the universe set it up is I was interviewing a temporary aide because the aide who was working with me at the time, and trust me, that aide and I are still friends and I still speak to her too. My aunt walks in after taking me out to dinner the night before for my birthday. And so what I didn't know, I thought, oh, I was going to have a birthday dinner. I thought we were going to sit down as a family. And I thought my family was going to say to my stepmom, to my stepsister, to my aide, how can we help win? How can we help you guys with win and keep her in a home, keep her functioning? And that did not happen. What happened was they turned a birthday dinner into a welfare check. They stuck their noses where they're not welcome. And they asked me how my home life was. Now you gotta remember, I lost my mom in 2010. I lost my dad in May of 2019. This emotional abuse happened one month after my dad died. It's it's an experience that I would not wish upon anybody to be emotionally abused, to be physically abused, to be abused in any sort of way. It is unfortunately too common. The way way it was set up was my abuser came in with her witness and handed my stepmom a bag of food, didn't even ask my stepmom can I help you set this up? Can I help you do this, including the temporary aid, the evil eye of death, and says, um, I started being emotionally abused 10 years ago after my mom died too. Mm -hmm. So then I was very lucky. I got away for uh, um, nine years. And then all all in that time, my stepmom said to my dad, well, why do you not want my, because my stepmom is a big living family, why do you not want when around these people? Why 
do you not want when to be connected with these people? My dad says, no way, no way, no way. And my mom was, I don't want to say clueless. She never quite figured it out. And then when June 23rd happened, she got the wound awakening and figured it out. Quickly, do Why my dad was trying to protect me. They come in, they hand a bag of food. We have the interviews. Um, abuse of my aunt is still staring at us like the we see the eyes of death. And then she goes, come on, Nguyen. It's time to get dressed to go out to dinner. They were coming over to help me with this aid who we were only using for two weeks. I wanted, I wanted them to see really what my life was like inside, even though we were using a temporary aid because they didn't know me from a home or all. I mean, they haven't seen me in nine years. So come on, when it's time to go get dressed for dinner. I am the oblivious idiot that follows supposedly family downstairs. And the next thing I know, they close the door behind me. And I typically keep my bedroom door open. People ask me, do you want this close? I, I tell them, yes, no, maybe so. For safety reasons, for CP reasons, have done that for years. So when the door closed behind me, I said, oh no, oh no, here we go. And the reason why I knew, oh no, here we go, is because I was trained as a primary school teacher, AKA that's what you call it in Australia. It is. And over here we call it preschool. Preschool. So I was trained as a primary school teacher. And as part of my training, I was always, I took training on physical abuse and emotional abuse in young kids. And so I knew the red flags. Mm -hmm. I knew the evil eyes of death. I knew closing the door behind you wasn't this bonus move. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. I'm sitting on a bench in my room. My aunt literally says, how's your home life? And then the other aunt says, you're paying the aides too much. You're paying the aides too much. And unbeknownst to my abuser, my aide is hearing all of this, my aim comes back. The kicker was when the star that broke the camera's back, and I knew this, and so my abuser goes, who in the world do you think has been providing care for you for the past 10 years? And I said, you guys have been helping my dad. I've lost my mom, and of course, I still need help. Mm-hmm. And she goes, um, um, um. She didn't know. I knew that answer. If I was in my right state of mind and it wasn't being revealed, I would have sent my uncle. My uncle, my mom's brother, completely has been giving money to my dad to help take care of me. And because my dad quit his job of being a solo entrepreneur to be a stay-at-home 
widowed dad, basically, mm. of his whole entire life until he died for me. And then so did my mom wow. up until all the time she died for me. So I'm lucky to have two stable parents. You were. And so what, because I was trained as a primary school teacher, I knew that I was abused. I mean, I remember trying, like, there was no small, my abusers still going off the valves. I mean, she accused my aide of not giving me a shower, and my aide gave me a shower that morning, got me dressed. My abuser also accused my aide of dressing me in a PJ top, which my aide and I thought looked like a normal cop. We didn't know it was a PJ top, so abusers go off the wells. And one of the things in general is that abusers won't let the abusers go to get help. So even if I said, I'm going to the bathroom, even though I wanted to say I'm going to the bathroom, and my plan was to pretend that I was going to the bathroom, and send a group text message, help I'm being abused, call 911. But in general, abusers won't let the abusers go yeah, to yeah. get help. Then they stuck me in the shower against my will. They made my stepsister see my pubic hair. Thank you very much. And I don't remember all this. Apparently, Ju- Juliet, my stepsister, came down, saw my pubic hair, and all I remember was the emotional abuse and then I remember um, coming to and getting a camera stuck up my vagina. And yeah, so that happened in June. I started counseling, grief counseling in July. And uh, one of the first sessions, my counselor knows that I have cerebral palsy, and my aide and stepmom met with her before I um, even got to meet with her, so they told her why, they told the counselor why I was about to see her. And so then my counselor, and I distinctly remember, she said, do you feel safe at home, knowing that I was at risk at all? And she, I said, yes, I do. But here's what's going on. Well, I finished that session. I didn't know that she was going to call um, Adult Protective Services. I walk in to my next week's session. I complete the session and walk out. I go, well, where's... I, I don't think anything of it. My aides are normally sitting on the waiting room couch waiting for me. I go walking out. I start looking for my aide. And normally my aide's like that. She goes, hi, when? Um, she gets up. We walk to the elevator. Okay. My aide just steps into the bathroom or she steps out to make a phone call or she's downstairs doing something in her car, which she didn't want to be bothered sitting in the waiting room. And so I thought, okay, I know how to get downstairs. I'll just walk outside and meet her at 
the vehicle. I will never forget when a complete stranger comes up to me. He doesn't even say your aide. He goes, your driver is in adult protective services. And I'm thinking, oh boy, here we go. Me saying, yes, I do feel safe at home, but here's what's happened. Kicks off adult protective services. Okay, thank you, counselor. And she knows it too. Something told me in my gut, you need to tell people that you're being built and come out about it. And when this has been the third time I've been abused, I was abused by a priest. I was also workplace abused. In 2007, in 2007, 2008, and then half of 2009. And then I lost my job due to the economic crash of that era too. And then I came out and started to tell people. By the time I went to adult protective services, I started narrowing off the story of they abused me, they put me in my shower against my will, and the adult protective services head said to me, was the cop? Cops on the phone, by the way. He said, we'll save that for the professional interviewer. And I'm like, oh boy. And I said, I remember distinctly saying, I think my stepmom should know about this. And they go, well, your stepmom has already gotten a call. And my stepmom was at work. And so imagine her surprise. Well, yeah. first of all, imagine my aide's surprise when they call my aide first, and then they call me in. And then imagine my stepmom's surprise when she sees the phone ring and it's like, hello, what's literally, hello, what's going on? And so she agreed to it all because she knew I was being emotionally abused too and physically abused. So she agreed. The next week, um, we go down to the, and I say we because my aide is still here and I can't drive. So my aide drives me down to, to the professional interviewers and then leaves me, leaves me not, not because she wanted to leave me, it's because you have to lead a person so that the professional interviewer doesn't hear one side of the story. And then, yes, this, my stepsister got called. My mom got interviewed at this house. And then that was fun when the cops showed up at this house and along with the adult protective services and yeah, that was fun. All our stories matched up. My abusers said, well, what did I do? I did nothing wrong. And that's what happened. And now I haven't spoken to my abuser since, and I haven't spoken to her witness since, I haven't spoken to my family since, because it was icky. It was oh, icky. Yeah. It's Vera Lee from Australia, the founder of the Why Me Movement and podcast. Well, one idea 
one vision, one person. This self-funded podcast and movement has started to take a life of its own, which is exactly where I had planned it would be. To hear the stories of the far-reaching impact across many countries in this world, it humbles me to know that my vision is shared, understood and positively influencing people to look at the changes they can make for their own adversity and how they can find the strength, the courage to be inspired and feel connected and empowered to use their adversity to their advantage. One of the best ways that you can help support the Why Me movement and podcast is to subscribe to the various channels such as the podcast platform you are listening to this on now and the YouTube channel which has much bonus content released. By subscribing, you will make sure that you are one of the first to find out who is coming up next, more about our guests and the interesting questions that I ask them, which do not get released on the podcast platforms and lots of other good bonus content. I always love reading your comments and so please feel free to leave them on each of the platforms. The beauty of social media is that you can easily share single episodes or any of that bonus content from YouTube onto your own social media platform with your friends, which helps to bring this positive, inspiring message to far more people, allowing you to be an active participant in the Why Me movement and vision. On Apple Podcasts, it always makes a big difference if you can leave a rating, review and subscribe to the show. Let's get back to today's story. No, I didn't press charges against her because, not getting a load of this one, my biological mom grew up in the Bahamas. So we would have, it would have been a whole big mess if I extradited her. And yeah, Mm -hmm. so that's why I um, didn't press charges, but I was given the option to press charges and I said absolutely not and I but my abuser knows to stay away from me yeah wow there is so much in there Wynne and first of all I'm I'm sorry that these experiences have happened to you they should not have happened to anybody I am aware that people who are more reliant on having aids to help. So someone like yourself who is trying to live the most independent life you can, you're trying to control what you can within what you want to do in your life and doing a fantastic job at doing that. You do, however, have certain things that you need help with in your daily life. And you mentioned some of those. You can't drive yourself. So you have an aid there to help you with that. Correct. Yeah. So you have aspects of your independent life that need a little support from other people. Yeah. Yeah. It appears to be, in general, any gifts aside, there are lots of us that end up being abused by other people. And particularly people who are in a vulnerable state. And I'll clarify what I mean by this. When I met my husband, who ended up being my abuser for many years after we got married. Mm. I was in a very vulnerable state when I met him. And so I was a physically capable person. However, emotionally and mentally at that time, I was not at the top of my game. 
And so I fell into a relationship with this person that deep down I knew wasn't right. However, because I was in that state and because I had certain things that I wanted to achieve in my life and I thought that it was love, that was what happened. Then you have people who are vulnerable because of their physicality. And so you fall into that category that here you are, you're in a situation where something that is very wrong is happening and you're not able, you are reliant on other people to help stop that happening. It, it is a very, a very serious thing that you've described happening here and I'm glad that, you know, you sought help. Um, I hope that the counsellor was able to help you work through some of that. I'm wanting to know from your point of view, the fact that you, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think you understand you're independent as much as you can be and you're living yeah. your life as much as you can the way yeah. you want to. Okay. And then you have people around to help support you do what you want to do. And when somebody else comes into that environment and their expectation is different and that they do not view you as a person who is, for whatever reason, doing what they want you to do. Essentially, they're trying to manipulate you to, to act the way that they want, not the way that you want. Yeah. How does that affect you? Do, do you... Do you think that they do this, that they would do this anyway, or that they do this because it's you in your position? They, um, unfortunately, my abuser would have done it anyway. So I have watched my abuser yell at the registrar. So my abuser, because she was, is and was an alcoholic, and a severe drug abuser herself. She was not in the best mental state herself. So anyone at high risk, including my grandma, um, got yelled at. And this was my abuser's own mom, by the way. Technically, I knew this was coming because I got emotionally abused by my abuser and um, by her witness 10 years ago, right after my own mother died. And they, my abuser just lost her mind. She lost her mom. She got yeah. locked in the bathroom for a good two hours sobbing, and we didn't see her. And um, because I presented the news, my mom's family, that my mom hadn't passed away. And the next thing I know, um, baby sister, baby sister, 10 years younger than my mom, is locked in the bathroom. Baby sister doesn't come out for two hours. And then, yeah, baby sister never was the same again. No. And so um, I think that was the modus operandi. Now, do I think that people who come in and help people. Some do. Others do not. I've been very, 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 very lucky that I have not had the misfortune of an aide mistreating me. I've come close, though, but I've um, gotten away from that 
situation when I knew to keep my boundaries and when this person decided to be difficult to handle and was fired due to stuff right. in path. And but I've been very, very lucky not to have my aides ever touch me. And if they do, I would kick them to the other side of planet glass off the door. I hope so. <laughs> and so yeah, and so I know what to do. I um I know what to do and what I would like to say is if you, um, if a person ends up in on your property that you don't like, you're welcome to call the constable, a.k.a. the cops, and say, um, and me as a journalist, without permission, I can't step on, by the way, I'm getting a degree in journalism. Awesome. Because I am. Um, because I lost my job again due to COVID, due to the coronavirus. And me, I'm lucky enough that I didn't get coronavirus, but needless to say, I lost my job. Me, as a journalist, I'm not allowed to step on someone's private property just to get a story. I need to ask them for permission. So if I stepped on someone's property, even as a journalist, they could call the cops on me. Yeah. I suppose the the difficulty here is that when you're relying on other people, say we use the example of an aide, and thankfully, as you said, you haven't had someone come in as, if you like, um, with an ulterior motive of being an abuser in that situation. But you know, when you, you're relying on people to come in and help and, and here you are, you've got people that were invited into your house and then the abuse occurred. It doesn't change the fact that the abuse is wrong and it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that whether you are someone who has cerebral palsy or not or has anything else in the whole myriad of things that we all have, you know, something that's not exactly right with all of us, that that is preyed upon and you're taken advantage in that situation. And it brings up for me two things. It brings up the importance of trust in that you yourself are trusting people that come into your space that they are not going to harm you. And that is a trust that we all need to be able to rely on. And when that gets broken, it takes time to be able to repair that trust. And sometimes we are not going to repair that trust with the person, depending on what it is that has happened and who they are. Sometimes that becomes a little more difficult when it is um, someone of a relation, someone in the family. It also brings up to me something that you said that when this moment happened and you're in the shower and the next thing you know, you, you don't remember a lot of stuff and that you woke up and that horrible thing was happening to you. And I just feel awful about that. I can't imagine what it would be like waking up to that moment. Here we've got a situation where you did know, I suppose, the tendency of this person, this abuser. Do you think that that was your way of your body and your mind protecting yourself for what you felt was happening? Blacking out. I didn't. Um, I. It wasn't complete blackout, okay. but I. Um, 
I was waking, looking at people. I was actually making jokes. I said, nice one to my ability, me being the dry sense of humor that I am. I was trying to cut the tension and she just didn't want to hear it. And so I think me subconsciously blocking it out, yes, it was my way of, um, yes, it was my way of my body protecting itself. And if I didn't have the resources at this house that I had that day, I would have ended up in the emergency room at my local hospital. Yeah, yeah. I see that you are in your home now. And so I'm going to make the assumption that that you have a new age now or that your original age is back. Okay. I, the original age has turned into my friend. She was abused as well, sexually. And she told me that it took 13 years for her to share her story. Her abuser wouldn't let her go. And that's what I'm hearing from women all across the country nationally too, that they tried to get away from the abusers. The abusers let the abuser go. Mm. There's a, there's a, um, a, a theme here, and you've used the word a couple of times about feeling trapped, and I can relate as someone who's gone through a few different types of abuse, including sexual assault, that feeling trapped is a very good word to use to describe how you feel in both physical and emotional state that you end up in when you're trying to go through this. And and even leading up to it, coming out of it, it's it's a real, it's a difficult place to be in that you need to have some way to release and be out of that feeling trapped. I'm wondering for yourself in that, does that feel even more so because you can't just jump in a car and drive away? You you are, I suppose, more vulnerable than some of us would be. Um, No, but I am because of my podcast, I am very, very lucky that I have some of my fans' numbers. So if worse came to worse, I would actually call them. And I have cops that watch me on my Facebook, but just to check in on me and make sure I'm still standing. I could use my contacts, higher powers and and I could be out of here in two seconds. Wow. Mm. I think it's really important to have that support network for anybody. And I would love to know more about why you started your podcasts and what it is that that provides you and other people who listen. Yes, you're coming on my podcast. By I the way. am. And yeah, I'll accommodate my Australian fans, like they have accommodated me. And so uh, the reason why I started my podcast is because I wrote a book after my mom died just to get cerebral palsy off my heart. And a lot of people don't know this, but I wrote a book just to get open up about the emotional abuse too. And I'll be writing another book 
um, completely on emotional abuse in my experience. And so that's the book is in the works. I comma W-I-N. And I I was lucky enough to have a fabulous relationship with my own biological mother. So when she was in mentally in coma, I said, can I write a book after saying over 100 times, thank you very much. I love you, mom. I love you, mom. I love you, mom. I come down the hallway. She's, she's communicating to me telepathically. Help me, help me, help me. I'm so scared. And so I come in to the ICU. I said, I love you, mom. I love you, mom. I love you, mom. I love you, mom. The healing from a soul leaking brain, which they quoted. She contracted biomeningitis while in the hospital, being as I developed this book while um, I was down there with her. The last thing she said to me, I said, I'm going home. She goes, you lucky duck, I want to go home. And she wanted to go home to her bed after saying, I love you, mom, I love you, mom, I love you, mom. Mom, I have an idea. Here's my idea, I wanted to run it by you first. She goes, yes, my mom goes, Telepathically, yes, you can write a book. Just don't make it a tell book. And I'll even do you one better. I'll give you the title. So that's where I come a win stuck. I will be in my ho- home as long as I can live. I will die in my home. You know, I was talking to a gentleman. His name is Marcello. Scottino and and it's a degenerative condition so it was diagnosed when he was a young boy the more it progresses the more he's reliant on a wheelchair and it, it is affecting his speech as well beautiful person and he also described his adversity if we, if we just give it a global name and we all have adversity and he described it as a gift as well and he also is is trying to be as independent as he can be and there are some things that he needs extra assistance with and he inspired me and I inspired him during the call it was a really lovely interaction and I'm feeling with you as well that for my own journey, I was born with a few disabilities. I was born with a bone disease that has affected the way that my knees work and they don't work as with most people. I'm in that camp as well. Um, and, and so this, this is the thing. We, we are all born with certain things. And I just knew that that was the way things were for me. And so I accepted it very early. And I think that that in itself was a gift that I knew to accept the things that I couldn't change and the things that I could change was my response to whatever it was that I had, whatever was happening, and to just try and make the best of the situation that I had. And that was something that Marcello and I discussed a bit too. And he was he was recounting a few moments where he's been in the shower and as much as possible he tries to get out himself so that, you know, he's not relying on other people. He's, he's trying to do as much as he can himself. And he fell and knocked himself out and broke his nose. And he actually sent me an email afterwards with the photo 
um, of how badly busted up his face and he, he cut right through his eyebrow and uh, yeah and he was telling me about this moment and he was lying there and he was trying to work out how on earth he could help himself through that moment you know there's blood everywhere and he was in pain and he asked me basically how I would sort of deal with it and I explained to him that in my most vulnerable moments I was probably my strongest internally because I would focus on for me it was my asthma and my breathing issues and I would focus on every single breath but not just every breath I'd focus on every breath in and every breath out so every part of the breath and I said to him it's it's about focusing in and knowing that if you do that and you calm yourself you actually will be okay through whatever's happening and he fell in the shower again I think it was either the next day or the day after that interview and he sent me this beautiful email and he said, Vera, I have to thank you. It worked. And I said, what worked? And he said, what you said to do, it worked. He said, I fell again and I did what you told me and it made such a big difference. Thank you so and much. Unbeknownst to my abuser, and people don't know this, but they won't know it now, and unbeknownst to my abuser, as she was um, abusing me, I was not only focusing on my breasts, not only focusing on the mantra, I am strong, I am beautiful, I'm independent. I was singing inspirational hymns quietly to yourself um, as your life is being changed up, upside down forever. And you, um, you would think losing both your parents was hard. Nope, that was the easy part. It's small potatoes. Losing your virginity and identity and being emotionally abused and physically abused and having people watch it was the hardest thing that's ever happened and us being quarantined and us being in lockdown is small potatoes compared to losing your identity and losing your virginity as a woman. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And this is where we look at perspective, isn't it? Isolation has been hard for a lot of people. And for me personally, and I actually have a video when I was talking to someone about this, I knew as soon as isolation was put into place here and I was put on lockdown straight away being in the highest risk category medically and so I made a choice and I discussed this choice with my son and I said look we're going to be in this for a while and so we have a choice how we're going to approach this there are two perspectives to take the first perspective is to say well this is really horrible let's get really you know, upset or annoyed or frustrated or down or whatever it is about it, mm. and then those emotions are going to fester. Or we make the choice to make the the best that we can with the resources we have with what's going on. And that is essentially how this podcast actually came to light in that I saw normally my day would be going to work. I still work. I work from home, so I still do my day job from home. 
but then I would go to shop at the supermarket to buy food. I would go and um, do a workout at the gym, would spend a few hours doing my um, lawn bowls practice because I'm a lawn bowler. And then I would get home and cook tea and then it was like, okay, now it's the end of the night, so let's go to sleep and start all over again, basically. And I said, you know what, with lockdown, there's no travel time. So there I, I get an extra maybe 45 minutes a day. I'm not allowed to go to the supermarket, so I have to order online. So that stops me spending the time in the supermarket. I can't go to gym and I can't play lawn bowls. So I'm getting four to five hours every single day that I didn't have. What am I going to do with that time? I'm going to connect with people. And there was born the Why Me podcast in that yeah. I can do that now. And I, um, because I went to Florida to do a podcasting conference and a podcasting reconnaissance mission and meet my fan base and actually hug my fan base and take pictures with my fan base. And they loved me as much as I loved them. And they saw me in the hallways and that was cool. And so then when we left Orlando in the middle of the fight, I I burst into tears quietly and I didn't know why. And I'm like, okay, you just came off a very nice trip. You were lucky enough to go on that trip. People were nice to you. You bought your aid from Aspen with you. You um you just came off a fabulous trip. You learned how to be a better podcaster. Why are you flying in the middle of a fight? By the time I got to um, Chicago International Airport, Chicago or here, I figured out why. I said, okay, you're coming home to your life being turned up or down. Yes, I used to go to the supermarket with my aides. Yes, I used to go to the gym. Yes, I used to do all this stuff, go to the movies have a fun lifestyle despite my disability. But now it's like, yes, you are, um, you're coming home to your life being turned upside down. And also I was unbeknownst to me, I was coming home to no job, no job. I emailed my job and I said, do you want me to come in and get Matt masked up and help you guys close out the year? And, help you and say goodbye. They go, no, when we don't have a plan because they were coming off spring bike. My response to them was very nice. I said, bye guys, I won't be returning. I appreciate your support, but I won't be returning because they hired me, but then never used me to my full capabilities. So I said, bye guys, I'm going. And I knew this because I declared, that's it. May was going to be the last time I was in the education classroom. Turned out it was March. And so I said, bye, guys. I'm going to journalism land where I'm actually loved and supported. And so um, that's where I've been since March, and I love it. I'm glad you love it. And I love that you are not afraid to chase what you want and I think that all of us 
when we get to that point where we decide, you know what, this is what is going to help me lead a fulfilling life. I'm going to go after this and see where it takes me. I think that's a beautiful space to be in. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Wynn. It's been a pleasure having you. You you are welcome. You are majorly welcome. And how can people get in contact with you? I'm all the social media, you number are. one. And I just Google my name, Google Win Charles, C-H-A-L-L-A-S, and people can find me. I My books are listed on Amazon. They can go to askwin.webelize.com. They can find the podcast there, and my podcast is Ask Win, and also I have Welcome journalism and the work of cp all listed on my website and they can go um listen to it all over the place if you guys know how to find a walk why me with bailey um you can subscribe to ask when and please 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 wherever you're um located in this world Go leave a review for Bailey's podcast in Apple Podcast and helps independent podcast creators. At the bottom of it, if you're in the U.S., at the bottom of it, you can um, le- you can switch countries to Australia and leave a review in the Australian Apple. I didn't know okay. that, Win. And then, yeah, please leave a review for Ask Win or Welcome to Journalism or the artwork of CP plus Bailey's podcast. And then um, please leave a review on Amazon for any independent author you see fit, including me. And we would greatly appreciate how that helps is it puts more eyeballs on the podcast. Yes, it does. And um, reviews help and genuine reviews help. Yeah, ratings and reviews help because they allow the algorithm in podcasts a little bit like a little bit like the algorithm in Facebook and Instagram and all of those platforms. It allows, like you said, more eyeballs to be on the podcasts. And so yeah, earballs. Yeah, and eyeballs, correct. So more eyeballs for Amazon and more eyeballs for the podcast. I love it. (laughs) Is it allows people in other countries also to discover what independent artists like ourselves are doing and what we are doing is helping people and that's the important thing to remember. So I I love that. Thank you. They say learn something new. Yes. And people people are so sick and tired of Netflix and so – Learn something new. Learn about cerebral palsy from barely and me speaking early in the morning on my time. Very and, early morning and, for you. It's now what two thirty in the morning, Millie. Two nineteen. Two nineteen. <laughs> and then um, I learn uh learn about Bailey's inspirational story on my podcast. Learn about anything you want by a podcasting but I'm a huge component of podcasting and that's how I'll leave it 
Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Wynn. And I will make sure that I put your website address in the show notes so that people can click over and be able to find out a lot more about you and access those podcasts and and everything else. Thank you. Well, another story, more why me moments and more reasons to feel inspired to change your adversity into your advantage. An integral part of the vision of the YME movement is the ICE acronym, Eyes for Inspire. When you feel inspired, you are more likely to take action. C is for two things, actually. Connection, you are not alone in this world. There are always people here who want to help you get through your adversity and feel positive about your life and your purpose. It is also for courage. Courage, in my opinion, is feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And there lies the importance of connection. For sometimes we don't feel we have the courage to do things on our own. And yet once we have the emotional support of those people who we trust, it can help us to feel that fear and do it anyway. And lastly, the E is for empower. When we have that connection and the courage and the inspiration to know get our clarity of purpose, well, that is when we feel empowered to take the action that we want to do to change some aspect of our lives for the better. If you would like my personal support in this area to help you get through adversity in your life, you can contact me at Vera Lee Original on social media.